Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you. Oh my goodness. Lord, you are the lily of the valley. You're the fairest of 10,000. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, I pray for great revelation. I pray let the veil drop today. Because, Lord, if people are not madly in love with you, they just don't know what you really did. They don't see by revelation what you really accomplished. Let it burn, Lord, within us like fire shut up in our bones what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Lord, reversing all the way back from the fall of Adam, Lord, to even our individual brokenness. Lord, our shame and guilt and those things that we battle. Lord, you have come to destroy the works of the devil And we thank you for it. We glorify you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' authority, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue sharing on the centrality of Jesus. That is where we're at. No other foundation, Paul said, can be laid than the one that is already laid. And that is Jesus Christ. We want Him as the foundation of our individual lives, our home and family, our church, our businesses. Amen? our check writing, whatever it is, our private life, our public life. Wherever we are, we want Him as the foundation of everything that has to do with us, our existence on this planet. There's a whole lot of shaking going on in the world. Who said that? Jerry Jerry Lee Lewis? There's a whole lot of shaking going on. So if you're not anchored to Him, if you're not tethered to truth, then things that you're relying on are going to fall apart right in front of your eyes. If, if what you've been relying on has not been shaken yet, the idol of politics in the church has been shook. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I mean, okay, you can only see it by revelation, but I'm telling you, there has been in the past, and it definitely has been revealed, it just a miss, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, too much reliance on men and politics for our joy, our happiness. How about our, our peace of mind? You're not going to get peace of mind from politics. So you better get anchored to Jesus in the hour, this hour because if what you've been trusting in has not been proven fallible yet, it's coming. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken till all that remains is the unshakable King and His kingdom. Glory to His name. So if you're just joining us here at Grace Church, we are in a very prayerful and careful refining, a retooling, a reclarifying. COVID, if it did one good thing for the church, and I mean the church broad scope throughout the world, it, it was a hard stop. Everything kind of shut down for a moment, paused. Things weren't just able to run the way that sometimes we just do things because we do things. Well, the Lord's not interested in man's tradition. We got to live by every word that proceeds out of his mouth and allowed us to go before the Lord and say, Lord, is Grace Church doing and saying, are we manifesting everything that is your heart's desire? And the answer was, no, let's make course correction here, course correction here. So we have come back to the one and only foundation that there is, and that is Jesus Christ. We are going to preach Jesus Christ. His life and His death, His resurrection, and now His intimacy on the inside of you on a regular basis. So if you're new, we're in that prayerful and careful refining and retooling. What we're doing with that is no one should ever have to wonder ever again where Grace uh, Grace Church is going or who Grace Church is. 
you'll never have to wonder that again. If you don't like Jesus, you may not like it here very much because we're going to be centered uh, on Him. So in laying Jesus Christ as the foundation of our lives, everything centered on Him, we have committed to knowing His person, knowing His work, knowing His teaching, and... You know, it's interesting in Hebrew culture, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9, you might be familiar with the Shema. The word in the Hebrew for hear is Shema. It actually means, though, hear and obey. So in the Hebrew culture, when it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and you shall love Him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Let this, let these words dwell in your heart. Teach your children. Write it on the doorpost of your, of your house and on the gate to your house that we love God here with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The word hear, O Israel, is Shema. It means hear and obey. So in the Hebrew culture, when they hear, yes, mom, I heard you, what does that mean? I obeyed you. In the Greek culture, which is where America is firmly rooted in a lot of intellectualism, uh, when we hear something, we hear truth, we analyze it. Like, okay, yeah, I kind of like that truth. Or, no, Cindy, I didn't like that truth very much. I, I don't think I'll participate with that. But in the, in the Hebrew culture, it's about hearing and obeying. And I'm telling you, this is a word of the Lord to the body of Christ. We've been hearing it for a while. We need to not only hear what he's saying, we need to obey him. We need to walk it out with him. Amen. I know he's our strength and our power unto obedience. I know that. Okay, so I'm not talking about just obeying after the flesh, but participate with him. Don't just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word. Matthew 7, we'll get into this when we get to this topic on knowing his teaching, obeying it. Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and does them is like a man who built his house on the rock. There you go. So we also are committed to know His authority and then know His voice. So this is what it is for us to be an actual disciple of Jesus Christ. And we've spent a couple of weeks on knowing His person. Uh, we've spent now a couple of weeks on knowing His work. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. When we know the work of Jesus Christ, this is very important. That's why we're saying... Let's be committed to not only know His person and spend time with Him, but let's be committed to know His work and what He came to do. We're Christ's followers. We ought to know something about the work of Christ. We should know something about the mission of Christ. So when we know His work, we don't struggle to, to appropriate the benefits of all He's made available to us. It's the truth. So let's read Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3, New Living Translation, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Everybody say, I'm blessed. You can quit trying to get blessed. You're already blessed. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. 
How many of you have ever heard the devil tell you, you know, God, he's just kind of signing off on you. He doesn't even like you very much, but, you know, because of what Jesus did, I guess he'll tolerate you. I've heard that. I'm telling you what God did through Jesus Christ in their partnership, that is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure to reconnect you to him. Verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us. Oh, hallelujah. The grace of God has been poured out on you who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. What, what was our problem again? <laughs> what was our issue? You guys need to eat that passage. Dig into it. Eat that passage. There's so much rich content in there. My goodness. Jesus got you blessed with every spiritual blessing. Jesus brought you into union with himself. Jesus revealed how God loved us. Even before we were made, God loved us and chose us to be holy and without blame before him. He got us adopted into the family of God. He got the grace of God poured out on us. And then he purchased our freedom and got all of our sins forgiven. Can I say again, if you don't love Jesus, you don't fully grasp by revelation what he's actually accomplished for you. The finished work of Jesus Christ. It's powerful. So there's a lot there. You can dig into it. Begin to know the work of Christ. Know why he came. All I did with these uh, 10 instances I'll put up here in just a second is dug out through scripture wherever it said, either he said it or scripture says this is why he came. But when we know it, then we begin to appropriate the benefits of everything He's made available. We can now live connected to Jesus on a daily basis. We are branches. He is the vine. He's our supply. What else do we get to appropriate? Your new creation identity. You're not who you used to be. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Literal translation in the Greek is, you're a completely different species than what you were as an old sinner you became righteous and holy so you get the new creation identity you also get to put god on display i love ezekiel 36 i hope you spent some time in it last sunday like we talked about verse 21 through 27 22 through 27 where god says you've profaned my name you have not represented me anywhere on this planet and how could we because he wasn't living in us But he said, I'm going to call you out, set you apart, then I'm going to cleanse you, and then I'm going to fill you. I'm going to put my spirit on the inside of you. So as soon as you see the cleansing of the cross, what's coming? The filling. Jesus Christ did not cleanse you to leave you empty and for you to try harder. He cleansed you to fill you once again with the spirit of the living God, and now you can represent God everywhere you go. What a great question for your prayer journal at the end of the day. Father, how did I do today putting you on display? How did I do today that when people saw me, they were able to see your character? Is it fair to say that Jesus came to live on the inside of you so he could put the DNA of God on display? It's a great question. Feel free to write it down if you want. Do you realize the only reason we can be a disciple of Jesus who abides in him, walks in his ways, which means become more and more like him and then partner with him to do the works of Jesus? The only reason we can do that and live connected to him is because of what Jesus has finished. 
because of what he's accomplished so marvelously. So here's, here's some of the works and mission of Jesus. I don't think th- this is all of them, but like I said, there's 10 of them. He came to reintroduce the kingdom of God to us by putting the spirit of God back inside us so he could extend his father's intimate and redemptive rule through us. Number two, he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to initiate a brand new covenant. We'll get into all these. He came to bring judgment and reveal the condition of a person's heart. He didn't come to judge per se, but his presence, the presence of truth, of the love of God standing in front of a human being puts the condition of their heart and their receptivity on display. That's why he said, I didn't come to judge the world, but in other places, John 9, 39, he says, for judgment, I'm here. Because when you look at the Pharisees, were they humble? Were they receptive when the love of God was standing right in front of them? What, what was wrong? Their, the condition of their heart was now being judged. John three eighteen. whoever doesn't believe on the one and only Son of God has been judged already. So he didn't come to judge, but him being here puts the condition of your heart on display. Is the soil of your heart humble? Is it hungry to receive God and a relationship with Him? Because you can't have a relationship with Him without His help. So when the help came, He revealed the condition of humanity's heart. I didn't mean to preach that. I apologize. I'm going to preach that in a couple of weeks. (laughs) But if the preach is in you, it's in you, I guess. He came to make disciples. He came to reveal the true nature of God. Thank you, Jesus. He came to bring us life and life abundantly. You know that. That's John 10.10. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to take away your sin. He came to call sinners to repentance. Oh, hallelujah. So, so many great things. So let's camp out now on number two. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Let's ponder together. Come, let us reason together. What's some fruit of the devil's work that we saw in the Garden of Eden? What's some of his work in regard to mankind? Did you see any fear after the fall? Did man separate himself from God? Yes, he did. How about shame? We see any of that? Uh, Guilt. Absolutely. And, of course, separation in Scripture. I've taught you this. Separation in Scripture is death. When you see death, it's just separation from God. Okay, so if a fish were to sin, it would be separated from water because water gives life to the fish. Remember, I've taught you this. When God wanted fish, he spoke to the water to bring forth the fish. So by law of creation and origination, fish must abide in water to live. So God spoke to himself when he created you. The Spirit of God, the Word of God is what originated you, created you. So where must you abide to find life? In Him, in the Spirit and the Word of God. So when you abide there, you find life. So in the same way, that's what we're talking about here, that we're made to live and abide in Him, not live separated from Him. So Jesus comes to restore. Everybody say, restore. To reconcile. Okay, which means to make one again, to end the separation between you and God. And guys, he did it without your help. He he ain't looking at you on whether you're reconciled or not. He did it without you. Well, what's my role then? Believe it. Act like it's true. We call it faith. You've been made right with God by 
faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He did it without you. Touch your neighbor and say he did it without you. Touch him again and say you can get over yourself now. <laughs> I've never been so glad to know it's not all about me. My reconciliation was not about me. It's not my ability. He did it. The major issue in the body of Christ is unbelief. It's the major sin of the New Testament. We do not understand what he really did, but we will tarry in his presence this morning, and by revelation, we will get it. Amen, somebody? So he comes to destroy separation and guilt and condemnation, thieves of intimacy. What did we have in the garden before the fall? Intimacy, day-to-day, heart-to-heart, spirit-to-spirit, thought-to-thought connection with our Creator. The one we've created to live in. So when you have fear and guilt and shame and condemnation in one of your human relationships, how does that relationship work? It's pretty good. Like, I think I'll, I'm going to sow some fear into this relationship, see how it works. Uh, let me sow some, uh, some shame into it. Okay? So those are not conducive. The works of the devil are not conducive to intimacy and relationship. So let's go here. First John chapter 3, verse 8. You can look at it on the screen or you can look in your Bibles. But first John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil. I just think that's so... I just get a kick out of that. I always want to preach that. Like, open your Bibles. First John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil. Close it. See you guys next week. But... If you, if you study it out, if you eat the word, here's the correct translation. Whoever is committed to sin, whoever loves sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. So in other words, you just bear his likeness. How many of you know we can sin, we can stumble, but we don't love it. We don't love it. I hate it. And that's, the, that's how you can tell the difference. If a pig falls in the mud, what does it do? Celebrate. yes what if a sheep falls in the mud it cries it cries so that's us we don't love it no we have we do stumble but we don't love it for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil Acts 10, 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the holy spirit and power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by it. It doesn't say blessed. It doesn't say they were thriving in sin. It's what the world doesn't get. They just propagate all kinds of sin, disobedience, uh, unhealthy lifestyles. It's like, hey, they're human. They should be able to do whatever they want. If you love them, then tell them that will kill them. Yes, as an American, they can choose. All of us have free will. But love does not say, oh, you thought of it. Go ahead and do it. That's terrible parenting. All right. So he went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. John 8, 44, Jesus said, I love this little exchange, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. There it is. He who who loves sin. He who desires to sin, who, whoever's committed to sin is of the devil. 
So he's defining 1 John 3, 8 once again right there. He was a murderer, the devil, from the beginning. He does not stand in truth. There's no truth in him. Amen. Guys, underline that. When the devil's talking to you, there's no truth in what he's saying. There might even be fact in what he's saying. But truth is a higher law than fact. You've got to live by truth because you were made by the truth and for the truth. So you must abide there. So he's going to come to you with fact. The fact may be you did a real piece of stupid the night before. But truth is a higher law than fact. What is the truth then? The truth is that I'm justified not by what I did last night. I'm justified in Christ. So I shall renew my mind to my relationship with God through Christ. You're not even in the covenant. The covenant is between God and Jesus Christ. That's the new covenant. That's why Paul says, I don't know, 200, 300 times in the New Testament, the phrase in Christ. I quoted it earlier, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, that's how you got in the covenant. That's how come you can get up again when you fail. We, we, we live a lifestyle, a, a lifetime of repentance. We get to repent all day, every day. In other words, we continue to renew our mind and align ourselves with truth. We continue to lift our mind to higher thinking. Pent come, that's where we get the word penthouse. So higher, upper. We repent. We go back to our identity comes from above, not from here. Our identity comes from God. So I repent. I go back to higher thinking. Amen. Did I finish that? Yeah, there's no truth in him. So when he builds a case against you, he cannot stand on truth. He can use fact and he can use the natural realm. In the natural realm, you did that. But he cannot fight the fight in spirit or in truth. That is where your father fights and advocates for you in the court of law is spirit and in truth. There's no, everybody say there's no truth in him. Man, you remember that when he's beating you up. You remember that when he's trying to shame you or embarrass you over something you did. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own nature or his own resources, for he's a liar and he's the father, the originator, the source of all lies. So a murderer from the beginning. Did you know his goal was to murder Adam and Eve? Now, if separation or death in Scripture is separation, what's his goal? What's he got to do? Separate them from God. Because they were made by his word, by his spirit. They must abide there. So he's going to break and sever the relationship. So he came to murder Adam and Eve. He came to murder you and I's relationship with God. What, what's the opposite? Jesus Christ came to restore it. Why do we spend so much? Well, never mind. All right. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. The devil came to make us like him and get us to declare our independence from God. Do you realize that God made you to be dependent on him? I have not heard one fish say, I am so upset that I have to live in water. I just wish I could get on that beach, man, and do what I want. How many of you know a fish that is not abiding or surrendered to water is not a free fish, it's a dead one. 
Right? And we're like, oh, I got to get free. I, I got to get independent. I got to live on my own. I got to do my own thing. You, you didn't make yourself. So you better get a hold of the fact you were created by God to abide and live in Him. You are a dependent being. You are a derivative being. What does that mean? You derive life from another source. You're a branch. That first night of Eat the Word, where's Michael? Michael, raise your hand. Wise sage Michael. So we're, we're eating John chapter 15, verse 1. And the first thing says, you know, uh, Jesus says, I'm the true vine. John 15, 1. And so when you eat the Word, we, we look at it and we, we all just kind of ask the Lord, what's sticking out here? What's, what are you showing me, Lord? And he said, the first thing that sticks out to me is Jesus said, he's the true vine. If he's the true vine, there must be false vines. I mean, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal that to him, but the Spirit of God revealed it to him. And right to a, to a man all throughout the room, now we're thinking, oh my gosh, what have I tried to derive life from that I thought was life, but it wasn't life. People, relationships, stock market, economy, job, career, all of it. Where, where do humans in America, we'll stick to America, where do people get their identity from? Job, relationships, all that wealth, whatever it is. Those are, those are false vines, people. You're not made by money for money. Money will never satisfy you. And I'm not saying it's good to have money, but you better not let money have you. Because there's, you can't derive life from that. Boy, that's powerful. Amen. Woo, I love just, it's the law of creation. It's the law of design. Before he made you, he knew what would fuel you and make you work and satisfy you. Nobody makes anything and says, well, I wonder what that does. He, he knew. He put it in you. So the devil wants us declaring our independence from God. He wants us get, he wants us deceived into thinking we can be righteous, behave righteously, lovingly, give me another fruit of God, peacefully without God. Who's that? Whose image is that? It's him. He rose up and said, I don't need God. You all should be worshiping me. I'm going to declare independence from God. And got him evicted, right? Thrown out of heaven. But that's what the religious spirit does. It's very tricky. Because it's like, well, I'm, I'm desiring righteousness. Well, okay, that's a good thing. But if you're trying to be righteous apart from him, the righteous one, you're just back to the garden again. They were made in the image of God. And then these, the enemy said, if you'll eat of this tree, you'll be like God. Being like God, can I get a witness, is not a terrible thing. Unless you do it without him. So there's your religious spirit. Being righteous, brother Steve, is a good thing. I've given up alcohol. I've given up drugs. I've given up sex. I've given up all these things. And now I'm righteous because of it. You're a proud Pharisee hypocrite is what you are. If, if you think by you not doing something that's unrighteous, now all of a sudden God, God uh, has to declare you righteous, you're sadly mistaken. We can't be holy apart from the Holy One. That's why Jesus had to die so the Holy One could re-enter you and holiness could be seen through you. Ezekiel 36. Be leery of the leaven of the Pharisees. Be leery of self-based righteousness or doing anything apart from the living God. We're dependent beings. 
derivative beings. I love that. And so you're made to depend on him. You're made to rely on him for life every day. His voice, his word, his spirit. Another great deception of the enemy is that sin could ever satisfy you. How many of you have tried sin? (laughs) And it's true. Some of it is true. Some of it seems pleasurable for a while. This could work. And then in the end, what? It's death. It's separation. It's self-awareness. It's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? You're too great a creation to be satisfied by sin. You don't hear that on TV, do you? Makes you wonder if they really even care about us. Do they really care? Is it really love to just say to the Americans, do whatever you want, it doesn't matter. Love is love, whatever. No, love is a person. And he's a very holy person who teaches us what real love is. So Jesus saves us, church, not only by what he gave us and supplied us. He saved you by what he destroyed 1 John 3, 8, the reason he was made manifest was to destroy something. He came to destroy the works of the devil, and we've been talking all about them. Religious spirit, independence, self-effort, fear, shame, guilt, condemnation. Condemnation is a builder's term that says you're not fit to live. If you condemn a building, you're not fit to live in it. Or the building's not fit to live in, sorry. If he came to destroy condemnation, what does that mean for you? It means that you are fit to live in because of him. Paul said three times, do you not know that you are the dwelling place of God? You're his tabernacle. You, you, the Holy Spirit dwells inside you. Do you not know this? Yeah. So he didn't just save you by what he brought you in the way of life. He also saved you and healed you by what he destroyed. And I am the, listen, I have a t-shirt. I've got coffee mugs on the the hours and years cumulative. Yeah. What did you say? I got hats. I got all kinds of gizmos from fighting the fight of am I condemned? Am I guilty? Am I... I feel shameful. Did you know that truth is greater than your feelings? I encourage you to write this down. There's truth that exists beyond what you feel about yourself. And so when you sin, what comes? Self-awareness comes. Just read Genesis. Self, You become self-aware. And, you, and if you read it right, you find yourself really wanting. You, you are lacking. When you, when you evaluate yourself after sin, you're lacking. So where was I going with that? <laughs> what did I say right before that? When we... Thank you, brother. So now you feel separate from God. But what's the truth? He's there. He was there while you were doing whatever dumb thing you were doing. He was there. He didn't leap out of your body and run away. Sin! Ha! (laughs) Jesus was never afraid of darkness, ever. 
He's not afraid of yours either. Matter of fact, he's in you to cure you of it. <laughs> Come on, give God praise for that. Oh, that's good. He's in you to cure you of it. So there's truth that exists beyond what you think about yourself, how you feel, your emotions, what they're telling you. There's truth that exists beyond how you behave. Your behavior is not the highest uh, revealer of truth. Are you aware of that? I'll put it to you in an easy way to understand. Isn't it possible that when we see people do something, a certain behavior, maybe it's even a lifestyle of behavior or an uh, addiction they have, what if it's not revealing what's true about them? What if it's revealing they believed a lie? The woman, I've told this story many times, that the woman for 10 years was bound by alcohol. She was an alcoholic in this uh, church, not this one, but in a church. And uh, they couldn't get her free, man. They tried everything. They cast out demons. They did all kinds of stuff. Probably, you know, lubed her up with oil till her hair fell out. I mean, they prayed for her. <laughs> A traveling evangelist came through and he asked her, when did the alcoholism start? And she said, 10 years ago. And he said, what was going on in your life 10 years ago? And she said, my husband left me for a younger woman. And so the evangelist began to address by the Spirit and the anointing a spirit of rejection and how that destroyed her self-esteem because she wasn't connected to the Lord for her identity and value. She was connected to her husband. So when that broke, all hell broke loose in her life. So when she was healed of the spirit of rejection and understood that Jesus had come and reconnected her to a loving father who would never leave her for somebody else, she was healed and alcohol never had power over her again. So 10 years of her being bound by alcoholism did not reveal the truth about her. It revealed that she had believed a lie, that she was no good, that she was ugly, that she was worthy of being rejected. So I say all that to say how you feel and even how you behave may not be determining the truest thing about you. And man, I'm so thankful for that. Please ask your children and your grandchildren this question. Who is the source of information you're using to determine what's true about you on a daily basis? Because they may say, well, it's just how I feel. I feel good today, so I guess I am good. Or maybe it's their friends. Maybe it's the Internet where they're deriving. We are derivative beings, but there's only one that we're made to derive our esteem and our value and our identity from, and it's Him, the one who made us. Does that, does that make sense? So that's very important. Who's the source of information you're using to determine what's true about you, what's true about God? There are people who use things in the natural realm to determine what they think is true about God. When... when uh, What's his name? Blew up the Murrah building. There were people on Christian radio in Oklahoma City saying that God did that. God, okay, God killed women and children because of all of our sin. That's dumb. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But what did they do? They used something, a bombing to determine what was true about the nature of God. Don't do that. Use the one, Jesus Christ, who said, I am the nature of God, walking around, and he didn't blow up anybody. Amen. Woo! I didn't mean to get on all this, but it's good. 
And if it bears witness with you, there's, there's a book and a series out there called The True You. Chapter 1 is called The Great Discovery, Truth. You do not determine the truth about you. Truth was here before you got here. Truth will be here after you're gone. Just like that woman that was fighting alcoholism for 10 years. The truth about her was here before she got here. And if it's true that knowing the truth sets a man free, believing a lie will set her into bondage. Set a person into bondage. So you've got to get a hold of truth and you've got to get anchored in truth. And I love the Holy Spirit because Jesus called him the spirit of truth in John 14, John 15, and John 16. He's the one who guides you into all truth. He's the one that teaches you all truth. And he lives on the inside of you. So he'll help you overcome your feelings. Can I get a witness that our emotions are real? We feel them, but they are not reliable for truth. Your emotions are real. They're just not reliable. For, for truth. Oh, hallelujah. So anyway, if that resonates with you, get that book, get, uh, get that series and read chapter one. So Jesus, wow, that's so powerful. Everything he did, you know, he saves us by his life. He saves us by what he supplies, but he also saved you by what he destroyed. And he destroyed all your fear. What removes all fear? First John four eighteen. Or is Jesus not the perfect love of God? He didn't come to preach the message. God loved everybody. He was the message. Jesus was the message. God loves you. And he removed your guilt, your condemnation, your shame. All your thieves of intimacy, he came to destroy them. He destroys the works of the devil that try to dominate us and overpower us. Sin is a power. If you read in Genesis with Cain and Abel, He said to Cain, sin is crouching at your door and desires to rule over you. So sin is a power that works to oppress you. Sin is not your freedom. It is your bondage. The wages of sin is death. The scriptures say that. And it's not just death in the hereafter. It's death in the here and now. If you sow sin into your marriage, sin into your business, sin into your relationships, you could kill it. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I mentioned it earlier. When you quote, or what am I saying? When you eat, <laughs> Acts 10, 38, the word oppressed. He went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Look what oppressed means when you eat it. Treat harshly, exert power over, to overpower and to dominate. Look at this, to powerfully bring down and deny us the life and blessing we're made for and should be enjoying. Jesus went about doing good and healing everybody who was under the tyranny of the devil. When you eat 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, part B, that he came to destroy the works of the devil, the word uh, in the Greek for devil is diabolos. And it's here's the definition. Slanderer, false accuser who unjustly criticizes in order to injure. It means to condemn in order to sever a relationship. Jesus came to destroy the works of Diabolos. What's his work? Well, he slanders you. He falsely accuses you. He criticizes you. He condemns you in order to sever a relationship with God. God won't separate from you. But how many people have judged themselves unworthy of a relationship with him? That is the work of the devil. 
to make charges against that bring down and destroy. Man, thank you for the good word of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. His sole purpose is to end your relationship with God. Sever it. Distort it. Whatever he can do to get in the way of it. Judge yourself unworthy of it. That's why I opened with Ephesians chapter 1. How much great stuff is in Ephesians chapter 1? Eat it this afternoon. It's good. So we were under the ownership and, and dominion of a foreign illegitimate power. Adam passed that on to us. You are not a sinner because you committed one. You're a sinner because you were born into sin. Adam and Eve passed that on to you. Does that make sense? Matter of fact, it says, I think in Genesis 5, that Adam and Eve started to have children in their own likeness, which means that they had the fall of mankind. Sin was indwelling them. So that gets passed on to us, and now we're under the dominion and ownership of a foreign power. Why does this matter? This is why. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. You were not redeemed. Everybody say redeemed. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Why is this important? Because if you eat the word redeemed, man, I should have put this down. I'm so sorry. I probably got excited and forgot to make it a slide. Listen to this. When you eat the word redeemed, and what I mean by that is you Bible hub it. Go to BibleHub.com, get out your Strong's Concordance, whatever, but look into the definition of the word redeemed. Are you ready? To buy back, to release or set free from bondage by paying a full ransom to restore something back to the position of its rightful owner. To restore something back to the position of its rightful owner and my personal favorite, to rescue from the power and possession of a foreign or illegitimate owner. The enemy does not own you anymore. And when I was 20 years old, and I had that encounter, I had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ when I was 20 years old. I'm now 50. I know I look 35, but... <laughs> Thanks, Carl. <laughs> I asked Jesus this question because I was overwhelmed with love. I was performing. I asked Christ into my heart when I was 13 years old. For seven straight years, from age 13 to 20, I performed. I did everything I could to get Him to love me. Please accept me. And I was very in tune with my big pieces of stupid, so I felt condemned and ashamed and embarrassed all the time. So Jesus appears to me in my room, and I remember asking him, I said, Lord, because I was overwhelmed with the love of God, I began crying, I was weeping. I said, how come you can love someone like me? It didn't make sense to me. And I wasn't out, you know, doing all the big sins, I'd say. I had some, but... But I said, how come you can love? I was only 20. How far down the road can you get? I guess you can. But I said, how come you can love someone like me? And he said, because you're mine to love. And that he had purchased me. And I no longer belong to the enemy. And he said he was incapable of leaving me because I was his possession. Come on, give God praise for that this morning. Everybody say, I am his possession. So I'm going to read that one again. To redeem means to rescue from the power and possession of a foreign or illegitimate owner. Look at Hebrews 
chapter 9. Verse 11, but Christ came as the high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with human hands that is not of this creation. He came not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained for us an eternal redemption. So the first Adam and all that mess that was passed on to us gets undone by the last Adam. And then there's more. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a burnt heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the the, purifying of the flesh. Some of my favorite three words. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through his eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more shall he cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Even when your conscience condemns you, God is greater than your conscience. That's 1 John chapter 4. If your own heart condemns you, our emotions are real. They're just not reliable. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God's not condemning you. Now, does the Holy Spirit in you convict you of sin? Yes, He does. But he, there's hope with Him. There's light with Him. There's freedom with where He's taking you. Do not confuse condemnation and conviction. Conviction is a good thing from the Holy Spirit because He's sanctifying you and purifying you to look like Him. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to what? Give His life a ransom. He came to pay your debt, to buy you back from an illegitimate owner. I just love that came to ensure that your relationship with God would never be severed. I quoted Romans 8, 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And then how about... Uh, oh, I've got it right here. <laughs> he came to ensure that our intimate loving union with God could never be severed, could never be undone again. Why do we feel like we're always in and out of our relationship with God? I'm off, I'm on and all that because you live by your feelings. You, you think truth is by what you're doing in the flesh. Your born-again spirit man cannot sin. First John 3, 9, whatever's born of God cannot sin. Okay, so it wasn't the true you that lusted. It wasn't the true you, the spirit you, the spirit of Christ in you that robbed that bank. <laughs> man, if you can get all the way to robbing a bank, I mean, we need to talk. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, during the planning, the driving, the drive away, the robbing itself, he's, he's talking to you. If you're really saved, I mean, now if you can rob a bank, not think twice about it, you're not saved. <laughs> Look at Romans 8, 35 to 39. What's the first word? Nothing. Nothing separates us from the love of... Do you, do you see why I say this? If you don't really love him, you don't know what he did. And maybe part of it is the church's fault. Maybe in the West we just haven't done a good job of, of being real Christ followers who are committed to know His person, know His mission, man, know what He did. I want to be a Jesus person. I don't want to be a church member. I want to be a Christ follower. And so maybe we haven't done a good job telling you what He did, but I'm telling you guys, it's magnanimous. Is that a word? It's magnanimous. What he did. <laughs> Daddy Steve said magnanimous. All right. Look at Ephesians 5.31. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be what? Joined to his wife and the two shall become one. 
This is a great mystery, but I'm really talking about Christ in the church. He came to make sure your intimacy with the Lord would never be broken again. And I know we stumble, but what's happening in Grace Church right now is we, we want the Spirit of the living God. We want holiness in our lives. We, we want righteousness in our lives. I don't want to just know this revelation intellectually. I want to obey it. I want to live out the reality of my true identity. Right? Be holy even as I am holy. That's what Dad said, First Peter chapter 1. Verse 13 through 16. We want to be holy. This is our heart. We're not trying to get away with something. People who are trying to get away with something don't really know Him. They don't. We're not trying to figure out a way out of the consequences of of sin. He is our way out and we love Him so much we've allowed Him to take up residence in us and live holy through us. Man, I want to put God on display. I don't want to profane His name. I want to put him on display. That's why he made the earth. That was last week's message. All right, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Whoever is joined to the Lord is what? Is one spirit with him. Do you see what he did, guys? Do you see the magnitude of what he's done? Look at John seventeen twenty. Jesus said, I don't pray for these alone. I pray for all those who believe in me through their word. That's us. And what's he praying? That they would be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me see and there's such conviction in this room you feel it we are convicted in this room of the truth this is reality what we're talking about this is reality this is the truth and jesus came to make sure that All that fear, all that separation, all that guilt, everything that destroys and severs your connection to God could not happen again. So, you know, I didn't even get to Romans 5. I'm going to go ahead and stop there. But in Romans 5, verse 14 through 19, if you want to read it, maybe eat it, dig through it, um, it's, it's Paul's contrast of Adam and Jesus. And through Adam, condemnation came to every human being. But through Christ, guess what's made available? You're you're no longer uh, unfit to live in. You're fit to live in because of what he did. Okay, so that's Romans 5, 14 through 19. Here's very important. I want you to ask the Lord here in the next couple of moments. Gavin, you guys can come. Ask the Lord what your obedience is today. You've heard the truth. Ask him, what, Lord, what's my obedience in this? Truth is higher law than my emotions. Truth is a higher law than my behavior. Will you do that for me? Let's go ahead and stand and just close our eyes for just a moment. Let's ask him, Lord, what is my obedience to today? I've heard the truth. What would you like to walk out together, Lord? Would you like me to reprioritize something? Would you like me to start washing my mind with the word of God on a daily basis? Maybe it's as simple as, would you like me to pick up the true you book and start digging through my real identity in Christ? But as we said earlier, we don't want to just hear his teaching. Let's obey it. So every, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we're asking you right now in this moment, what is our obedience? What, what would you like for us to do? Faith is our receptivity that produces your activity. Faith is our receptivity that produces your activity in our lives. 
So what would you have me to do, Father? How would you have me to respond so I can be a doer of the word, I can participate with it? I encourage you, whatever you hear, you know, write it down if you need to, put it in your phone, put it in your notes. But we cry out to you, Father. What's our obedience, Lord? What would you have us to do in response to the to your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Spirit for guiding us into all truth. May we live in the dimension we were created from. We came from truth. We're going back to truth. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've never invited Him in, and said, Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you life me and life my dead spirit that I might have a relationship, that I might connect with the spirit of the living God for whom I was made? If you've never done that and you want to make that decision today, would you slip your hand up and say, Brother Steve, that's me. Anyone here, I want to receive Jesus Christ into my heart this day. Anyone. gathered church would you be so bold to join with me in lifting both your hands i can pray over you father this morning in the mighty name of jesus it is the anointing that breaks every yoke and i thank you that you sir have broken off every lie today every bit of condemnation and guilt and shame there is nothing we can do about what's happened in the past there's a lot we can do about the present and where we go from here father we sever all ties with all that illegitimacy that we came from. Illegitimate owner. The illegitimate whisperer who speaks lies to us all the time. And I thank you, Lord, that you've brought us into the reality of the finished work of Jesus Christ, who did not cleanse us to leave us empty, but now indwells us. And that we may walk with you, Lord. We may talk with you, Lord. We may receive of you on a daily basis. But Lord Jesus Christ, we want to lift you up in our daily lives because you didn't just save us by what you supplied us. You saved us by what you destroyed. And may we become the trumpeteers that you, Christ, have destroyed all guilt, condemnation, and shame, and separation. You have done it. May we be your loudest trumpeteers, Lord. And not just in what we say, but in how we live. Let this word not be stolen from our hearts, Lord, but let it bear, with, uh, bear fruit 30, 60, and a hundredfold in the good soil of the rich soil of our hearts, Lord. And I pray this, Lord, not just individually for individuals here, but corporately for this church. 
that we would continue to hunger and thirst for you. We would continue to anchor ourselves to you. We would continue to lay you as the foundation of all of our life, our home, family, our church, everything. Jesus, you're the center. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Come on. Amen, everybody. Amen. Give him your best praise. Give him your best praise this morning. He is worthy. If you have questions, if you have questions or you want to know how do I abide, how do I eat the word, any of those things, come to the front. We'll meet you here and visit with you. God bless you. Let's go change our world. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.